Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez. Lucas Mora. And belted into the net. Brilliant goal. On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Mora clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh yeah! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! Kane, good area for Spurs, and Kane's not afraid to shoot! Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane! That is exceptional! Try and place it, wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line, Minson breaks forward. Oh wow, what a run! Yen Minson from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Hello there. Welcome to another new Spurs order pod under a under the touchline fracker banner. Uh, we're live again on a humid Thursday night. I'm X-Pac will be your host this evening. And I'm um, joined by three lovely co-stars. First up, Sting. How you doing, man? Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time, or at least it feels like it's been a long time uh, since I've been on. Yeah, good to be on again. Uh, finally have time. So, yeah, let's chat Spurs. I'm scared to see your government name in case you get blacklisted again. But, yeah. Oh, this. This is Sting is my government name, Owen. That's, <laughs> let's call it that. And uh, Booker T, how you doing, man? Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? Always good to be back with you, boys. Actually, it's been a minute. I've been in a pod with you, Jack. Actually, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'd be interested to get some of your takes yeah. tonight. But yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I had a bit Did of. A... You say you haven't been on a pod with in a minute, Jack. You mean Sting? <laughs> This Jack, this Jack fellow, I don't, I don't know you're talking about, mate. I don't know who that is. <laughs> and then there's uh, the tones there of Macho Man. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good, man. It gives you back on the pod. Uh, it's like you said, this, this heat is killing me, man. You know, the ones where you've just been napping out of like heat stroke, you know what I'm saying? But it's, it's too much, it's not, it's not my preferred stroke, you know what I'm saying? But we're live, man. We're live. Well, you had to get that out of the way, didn't you? Just before okay. anyone else did. Quickly, quickly. <laughs> I can't be sleeping on this stroke game. Anyway, pause. And then we're back. 
we um <laughs> it's a bit of a celebration <laughs> other than this um yeah i guess there's news which um kind of saddens me a bit but i knew it was a bit inevitable um go on owen say it accelerating with um do i even say his government name as well okay winksy um looking like he's gonna join everton um yeah the fourth wing grace has been pretty spectacular from from him as well as other players who uh, we've got rid of and uh yeah he looks like he's gonna be up next he's gonna join uh, frank's everton um Sting, what are your initial thoughts on that? I guess you're celebrating, right? That's what people, you are. That's, so what been, that's swimming in my head. I've been listening to this all day. <laughs> Do you know what? Uh, if we get striked, it actually wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, yeah, I didn't think about that. It was under 10 seconds, so that's all. I think it's seven, but yeah, I'll allow it. But yeah, um. That sums up how I'm feeling right now. Um, so good, so good to get this guy off our books. Honestly, you know, I wish him all the best. I hope, you know, I wish it worked out for him. You know, I wish he that round, those two round of performances, that Champions League final, amongst a couple others. You know, if he played at that level on a consistent basis, I'll be just as disappointed as you. But he hasn't been playing like that. He's been absolutely shocking. Outside of that. Very mediocre. Sidewood, pass, merchant, you know, the English Mikel Arteta. Just, just, I'm just glad he's gone. That's all I'm saying. Damn. Jubilant. He, he could end up being a better manager than that last guy you ended up <laughs> mentioning there. But yeah, fair play. Um, yeah, for me, he was someone who I really liked as a player. Obviously, breaking through 16, 17, that's really good. Had great, se- well, good seasons, 17, 18, and 18, 19. Um, then for me, he obviously didn't suit Mourinho's style of play. His confidence dropped. And I think uh, someone in the, in the group chat mentioned it, but he they said that he probably got a bit too entitled and comfortable with his position in the squad and didn't necessarily look to do that extra curricular work to improve himself or become a starter in the team to just improve his overall game and yeah both of those have um, compounded him now being upgraded on uh, which I can admit he's been upgraded on with Basuma and like uh, like you said Sting um, I wish him all the best as well and I think he can still thrive in a possession based team in the league whether it be Everton, who I, I can't, I can't really tell how how well they're going to do next year, to be honest. But any possession based team, um, yeah, I think he can do well. So that looks like by the time of um, the audio release, it'll be Winks and uh, Bergvine essentially gone as well. Once um, the whole fee thing can be can be hashed out, um, but yeah, I feel, I feel one thing that will probably build his confidence and get him playing to a level. Like you said, a possession-based team, but a possession-based team with constant runners. And I think he needs to have that confidence to, you know, be able to play those balls in without worrying about, worry about losing, losing it, you know, worrying about just 
having a low sort of pass success rate. I think he needs to have a manager that backs him and allows him to, or gives him the freedom to do that constantly without worrying about losing the ball, essentially. I think that will help. But again, I think there is a certain ceiling he has and it's not very high. Yeah, you do have to kind of make quite a lot of concessions for um, a player of his type, I think. Um, you need a player who's well, a midfielder alongside him who's got legs for a start uh, because off the so, ball he, so he can get over him. So not Deli <laughs> He's... Uh, well, we'll see how that happens. I've just remembered <clears throat> that Everton as well. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, they've got... Um, I don't know. Tobes thinks Decore is better than Sissoko and Sissoko was his... Uh, best partner in the 18-19 season so who knows that could work um but yeah the concessions for him to have legs in there and to kind of be in that rhythm of knowing when attackers are going to drop and the run as well as other midfielders where they're going to show for the ball where they're going to run in behind just in general um yeah and being in that rhythm is something we didn't necessarily have under Mourinho we didn't really have that under Nuno ever um and yeah, by the time Conte came around, you know, we need someone who's going to be more, way more well-rounded and doesn't necessarily have to have these concessions. And um, what we'll say as well, like we seem to be getting quite a good fee for him as well. It looks like it's going to be about 20 million. We signed mm. Masuma for 25 um, without the performance-based add-ons. So... I'm hearing I'm hearing FFP could make it a little bit peak, so it might end up being like a loan, like loan of obligation, like twenty million next season, um, which is obviously a bit different to the Deli Ali deal, which is a bit complicated because I swear Deli Ali technically went for free, but we get mm. fifteen mil after a certain amount of appearances or something like that. But now, yeah, those appearances, but they'll still give us P anyway. Um, the whole the Deli Ali deal confuses me. But yeah, I think the Winks piece might drop the year after. I think that's fair. So yeah, um, I, I was looking at it on paper. Like it, it looks like we've upgraded our midfield for next to nothing. But it just depends yeah. on how these deals are done. Sorry, Booker, you were no, 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 like, no. Uh, no, I had nothing to say. Nothing to say. No. How do we? How do we summarize Winks's time? At Spurs, and the only reason I ask this is because when you ask different fans, as has been mm-hmm. in the group chat about Ericsson's time at the club, you know, Tobes is very like Tobes, for example, and I'm more inclined on Tobes' side when it comes to Ericsson. Is like, yes, the last you know six to 12 months was, yeah. but uh-huh. you could always low key trust him to pull out one pass that could win the game, yeah. yeah and it's like, do you, it's not fair to use that time frame against like the rest of his body of work per se but with Winks obviously it was a longer time frame he wasn't Mm -hmm. all the time but the opportunities he did get wasn't really popping too tough but I'd say he started quite well do you know what I'm saying how so laptops how do you how would you look at Winks's career um I think he's I I think I think he's done okay um you know I think he coming into the first team uh what back in 2016, I think, um, getting his chances here and there on the potch and then having his, in my opinion, what was a real breakthrough season um, in 2018-19. 
you know, starting in the Champions League final, uh, kind of just making himself a mainstay in our, like, you know, in our possession-based sort of football under Poch. I, I really didn't have an issue with it. I just, I don't know, I just felt that, like, I don't know, it's weird, like, in many different ways. As the team changed, like like Deli Ali, his skill set never really changed. And because his skill set never really changed, he could only really be played in a number of different positions. I don't think he was particularly good in the in the advanced areas. I thought he was quite good, like, in terms of his deep, like, deep line, like, playmaking. But again, he wasn't super, super progressive, whilst also being, like, an okay passer. I don't know. I, I kind of felt like he he's done as well as he could have done at Spurs. And I feel like now it's probably best that he moves to a team that maybe suits his skill sets. Like, as and, you know, and as many, as much as there was lots of like really, really good things, I kind of felt that there was some bad things for me. Just felt that like he would always want to put himself in physical duels that he was never going to win. There was one game specific, I think a season or goal or two ago, Everton away mm-hmm. in a cup that really sticks with me. And I just thought, I don't think I can trust this guy anymore. Um, and also as well, that situation that then sort of arose under Jose and then Conte, whereby you had players basically accepting that there was a second team. I mean, if you're if you're a pro footballer playing in a, in a first team squad, I want you to be playing as best and as strongly as you can to try and get into that first team. And this notion of accepting that there's a second team for you to then just dwell on your laurels and wait for your opportunity to come in the cup games. Ah, I don't know. It just kind of gave me a little bit of a insight into his into his psyche, and maybe I don't know. I I mentally switched off from him then. Yeah, I, f- I feel when the team was functioning at it sort of at a high level. So I think that to me that ended in the end of the seventeen eighteen season uh, when Potter's system was that sort of full flow, and that's when obviously we saw the best of Winks, and I think. 18-19, he was more a 6-7 out of 10 every game sort of player, um, which was fine for, for what it was. I think Dembele's injury hit us really hard or and, and also just him aging. Um, and he did hold the fort for as long as he could have. And he was probably our best player in the Champions League final, um, funnily enough. Um, but again, when, when you know he's not a player you are going to rely on because when the going got tough he didn't get going um, himself. So I think he he thrives when the team is thriving. And I think that's that's good. It, it, you know, it makes you a sort of Premier League level player, but obviously to match, Con, you know, Conte and Jose Mourinho's ambitions, you can't really have a player like that in our squad. I don't think there's any room for, for that. Yeah, I think, you know, we alluded to, similarly to Dele Alli, he didn't really, um, you know, develop, as much as you could have, um, and that might have been through a level of complacency. I feel like the difference with Delhi was like, you know, Poch used him in a certain role, in a certain way. You're starting every week, you're on fire, you don't really need to change anything. Whereas I think Winks, I think he could have still stayed as the same kind of player, but just not improved at what he was, he just didn't improve at what he was already good at. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to sit here and say he could have been as good as Michael Carrick because Michael Carrick was different gravy. Like you could see even when he was at West Ham, Michael Carrick was going to be fairly special. Um, I do think the lack, maybe, maybe the lack of recruitment in those times when Winks was, you know, was getting better. I think because we didn't get anyone in those positions, 
you know, there's there's a lot, there's been a lot of talk about shirt numbers this week. When he went from 28, 29 to the number eight shirt, it's like, right, you're you're the guy now at 23. And there was nobody really coming in competition-wise. Say, I think, say we'd bought a Basuma-like person in that time, I think Wink sort of automatically stepped his game up and potentially got a bit better. Um, because like you said, when the team's functioning well, Winks does play well, and I think I don't think anybody can sit here and lie and say, I think well, how many caps did did Winks get? I think Winks got ten caps for England, something like that, ten, eleven, along those lines. And like for the most part, he did actually play well. I remember the Spain game where uh, Rashford and Sterling were basically playing wide receiver for Kane. Like Winks was comfy in midfield against Spain, and it wasn't Spain B, it was Spain. Do you know what I mean? Like Fares, it's not the strongest Spain team we've seen in the world, but it was Spain A. So it was games like that where I would I'd say I, I lost my Winx stocks a lot later than my Delhi ones. Um, I I think I was a bit more confident in Winx coming back. I'd say coming back being a bit better than he'd been than Delhi just because of those kind of games. Because um, there was a time where Winx was comfortably starting for England. I think he got a bit unlucky missing the World Cup, and he did well to cut to miss the World Cup and come back and still be playing quite well. So I do have to give him that. Um, but you know you need to do more than score. 50-yard goals against Ludogretz with Carlos Vinicius up top to to be a Tottenham player. So, yeah, it's funny the games you mentioned um, and we all mentioned were, you know, international and Champions League games and European games, um, which tells you I think give him a bit more time on the ball, we can actually perform to a level. So it must be a men mentality thing. Doesn't have it has less time, panics a little bit, and either you know misplaces the pass or go reverts the type and goes sideways and backwards so yeah yeah it's hard to expand more on um on what you guys have said really i mean you've effectively given him the flowers that um i think he deserved and obviously you're right in um where his his game just didn't progress. Like obviously under Mourinho, it didn't suit. But then Hoybier came in, so when he did actually get that that someone that can kind of take his place immediately, because I guess you can make less concessions for playing Hoybier in terms of not being overrun off the ball. Then yeah, he he effectively just was surplus to requirements under a manager who didn't necessarily play with the ball so it's good that he got his flowers again especially when i guess a lot of fans kind of jumped on um not necessarily people on the podcast or you guys on the podcast but there'll be a lot of uh fans just jumping on the bandwagon of scapegoating him even when he wasn't playing which was obviously a bit harsh but yeah, it kind of. I think it was an indictment of what he represented, on in the sense that Spurs hadn't kind of upgraded or moved on from players who thought they were too entitled to, I guess, improve their game and still not be kept out of the team. If that makes sense. So, um, again, it's it's got to that point now and. Again, hopefully he can uh, do well, move on, and perhaps even uh, get his England um, face back. Because when Winks was at his progressive best, I don't yeah, feel like he was, was better than Ward Prowse. Yeah, 
I think he still is, to be honest, uh, minus the free kicks. But yeah, I think he can offer England something in midfield which they don't have currently. Um, under that manager from Crawley, who no one in Crawley actually cares about. But yeah, fair enough. He's done a job for them before. He may be able to do it again. Who knows? So how do we review Bergwijn's? Similar to Winks, <laughs> I think my overall thing is just ah. <laughs> right at the start and um, faded out, not meeting expectations. There's, it's funny, yeah, because when I look, when you look at Bergwijn's career, like you know how people say it's not the exact same thing, obviously, but you know how people say you could make a highlight reel of Olivier Giroud and then you can tell your kids in 10, 15 years time that <laughs> I was like the tall R9, like, you know what I mean? And like, they believe it. <laughs> honestly, and it's crazy, yeah. Oh. Bergvine has more memorable moments than some of our, like, biggest, like, biggest yeah. players. It's Absolutely. crazy. Absolutely. It is crazy. What, City winner on his debut, um, what, Leicester, Two goals in what two a minute and a half of stoppage time, and I'm sure there's another one he's got. Like it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, for me to summarize Berg fight, I would just say bad timing. Tops, tops. I'm, I'm, I'm itching to. No, no. Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what? It's, it's a funny one with me. It's a funny one with me because when I first, when we first signed him. I thought I don't really know that much about him, but lots of the videos I kept watching, lots of the, lots of the things I kept seeing about him was that he was this transition sort of like nine slash eleven, who's like quite stocky, kind of small, and he seems to be able to move up the pitch quickly. Receives it in like you know half spaces, is good on the turn, and I thought this is good. He started off, you know, got his goal against City, had a few decent performances, but then I just feel like the level just dropped it just dropped and it just wasn't consistent like it got to a point where i was seeing more pictures of this man in drip on instagram than i was getting goals and assists from this guy and in the end i actually i think just after the pandemic football finished i remember thinking i don't think he's got enough credit i feel like Mourinho's playing that position get him playing in that sort of maybe that that nine that 10 maybe 11 sort of area where he can turn on the ball, run at players. And I remember like thinking, oh, he's going to get a chance. But again, he just, he just continued to flatter to deceive, man. And I don't know, I, I, I just feel like kind of we should just sell and kind of forget about it. I think he's got something like six or seven goals in 40-odd appearances for Spurs, or maybe even, maybe even more than that, actually. Um and I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I feel like his time at Spurs, whilst there's been some big moments and fair play, the goal against Manchester United at the beginning of the pandemic, the the goal against City um, on his debut, the double against Leicester this season. These are like, you know, very memorable moments. But then again, over the period of time, I just feel like there just hasn't been any sustained like uh, performances from him or Wolves consistent performances from him. So I just feel like his time at Spurs will just kind of just peter out, which I feel like it has. And I don't know, I, I don't want to be harsh, but I feel like he'll have more joy in Eredivisie. Yeah, and I think I think the reason for that is I don't think the guy 
I think from a mentality perspective, I don't think I think things got to him a lot when if he wasn't to perform. I think there are there were confidence issues there, like without a doubt. And I think that whilst you know, because we we see we know what he's capable of, we see what ability he has. But again, most footballers have ability. Most you know, professional footballers have ability where their confidence and their consistency doesn't match. And I think Bergwijn just seems to be one of those players where he's got so much ability, but he does flat like Top said, flat as a deceit. Because I think from a, I think it is, I think it is from a mentality perspective because consistency is one of the most underrated things in sport. And I, I just remember being cooked in the chat, by the way, uh, for saying sell him last season, mid midway through last season. I was like, nah, yep. I'm fed yep. up with this guy. <laughs> it was off that Liverpool game as well, uh, Manfield. Oh, Liverpool. Oh, absolutely fed up with him because oh, oh, he, he, you know, people say he wasn't given his opportunity. He has been given opportunities and there have been times when he just hasn't taken it and you've got to step. I know, you know, you say he's young and whatnot, but, You've got to, you've got to, you know, deliver when when we really need, when we really need to. And if you already have delivered, you've got to keep that consistency in doing it. Hasn't done it. Um, he's got. We know he's got ability, but again, you know, if you want to actually win things and be successful, you can't have players like that with with that sort of mentality who will chip in every now and then. Because again, his goal record isn't good. So all that said, right. Because we talked about his memorable moments, so you wanted him gone halfway through last season. So, given the two goals against Leicester and him being the person that Nuno subbed on when we lost three 0 to United, would you say the decision to keep him was justified in a really roundabout way? It's it's one of those situations where you say thanks for the memories, but it's time to go. You know, I think that is what I'll say about Bergwijn. You know, you know, again. We all have cult heroes. I wouldn't even call Bergwijn a cult hero, but you know the most you know teams will have you know with great success. You know, you, have, you have cult heroes you know, in your squad who haven't been great players for you, but they've had memorable moments. And Bergwijn has had a couple memorable moments, but even then, I, I still wouldn't call him a cult hero because of the of what was at stake. It was only top four. It wasn't a trophy. That's fair. But yeah, it's for me when I say bad timing, I think we, we were justified in just keeping him just to the end of that season. That's just gone. But when we signed him, like Mourinho apparently didn't even want him. And he was signed, had a few little moments, most notably against Man City, but effectively again played in the team which didn't suit him. Had a decent start under Nuno. Though, um, obviously, when Kane was um, looking like he was going to go see, then he got injured, came back under Conte in the team which did suit him, had a few good games, notably against West Ham in the Cup and mentioned Leicester. But I think he'd um, already made up his mind that he wanted to get first team football. Ajax have been showing strong interest. I think it might have even been since last summer, definitely since January, if we're to believe tier one sources um and that's that's the only reason i can think of as to why he wasn't given more minutes over lucas mora 
I think if I was seeing Lucas Moore getting more minutes ahead of me towards the end of the season, I think my mind would have been made up as well. And that, and apparently Louis Van Gaal's been telling certain squad members uh, the Holland national team, if you're not getting more minutes for your club, you're not in the squad. Because apparently he said this to this Timber guy that's meant to sign for United. Um, but even though Nathan Ake gets about like 200 minutes a season, he's still picked in every squad. Um but yeah, this is the word on the streets. And yeah, he's definitely going to smash it out of Ajax. I have no doubts. Yeah, he will. I just wish he played more on the left for us. And I think, and obviously, I wish every Lucas substitution that happened this and last season, I wish it was both one instead, just to see a bit more what he was capable of, just to build a bit more confidence. But even then, I don't think that would have been enough. Fair play. Fair play. Nice. Um... Nice tributes to two players who are to leave us inevitably. One of which um, was an Academy graduate, so I guess it hits a little bit harder. We had two of our Academy graduates in action um, last night and a couple of days before uh, for the England under-19s in Alfie Devine and uh, Dane Scarlett. Divine lit up the first game. I can't remember who it was against. Um, and then uh, Dane Scarlett grabbed a brace last night. Um, Macho man, how would you kind of review some of those uh, some of those performances? Um, obviously, I didn't watch uh, both games in their entirety, but I just, I just with Divine especially, I just because I think I think we've all got stocks in them both. I'd say Sting probably has the least because he's just like, listen, man, you're doing well, but I'm trying to win shit right now, which I understand. I understand. Um, I think me personally, I have a few more stocks in Divine than Scarlet, but I also found out today Scarlet's middle name is Pharrell, so I'm going to add a few more stocks because that's kind of saucy. Um, <laughs> but I think with Divine, it's just like, I remember, and I pulled up the thread the other day, I remember when we first got him, um, from Wigan with a 500k and apparently it was we basically bumped them because they were broke and you know I remember at the time obviously I think did we I mean this was did we did we get him I'm trying to remember did we get had Poch already gone at this point I feel like Poch had maybe gone at this point was this Jose's second season might be one second. Well, I mean, during the second season. Yeah, yeah, yeah second season. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. was, there was a lot of chat about, oh, we need to improve the first team. This kid's not going to play early. Da, 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 da. And I've been, over the years, I've been a bit like, is our academy even like that good? Like, like some, And sometimes you have to get these young boys from somewhere. And we basically knew fuck all about him, apart from the fact he got released from Liverpool, pardon me, when he was 11. Used to be a striker, went to Wigan, played under 18s when he was 14, played under 23s when he was like 16. Um, and he went to some England, went some tournament of England, 16s, was the youngest there because he just turned 15, but got player of the tournament. And I'm like, look, there's clearly something about this boy. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, and it, it makes sense to take the risk now because there's so many players that we've missed out on before. And again, alluding back to the thread, like obviously. Everybody was after Mbappe at a point, so that doesn't really count. But like, I think that, uh, Upamecano, um, we nearly got, we nearly bagged him when he was still seventeen, um, and there was a few other players in the thread. So, I think from then, yeah, word. Uh, I think somebody, 
No, I think it just made it just made a lot of sense for us to try and bag Devine at the time. Um, and I'm glad that he seems to have consistently just been progressing at like a normal rate for I don't want to use the word wonder kid because I feel that's been heavily skewed by the likes of Mbappe, the likes of Haaland, etc. etc. Um but yeah, no, he looks like he's doing really well wearing number seven for the England number nineteens. Whose kid is that? Oh, it's uh, the window, sorry. Oh fair. <laughs> Um, but yeah, now I'm buzzing that he's doing well. Obviously, I think my favourite moment of his career so far was the two-foot challenge on Danny Drinkwater, just because he deserved it. And I heard he's a bit of a knob in real life, to be honest. Uh, you got um, a different name for Drinkwater, though, now. What's, that, what's the name for him? You called him Danny Dehydrated after that no, challenge. I, I, I did, actually. I haven't dropped slander on his head top in a while, still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Danny Dehydrated. Um, but yeah, I think he's progressed well. I think my only... Don't my, it's, I, I don't really want to call it a crossroads because he's obviously going to play for us in the future. Um, but part of me is like, do we hang on to him as fifth centre mid slash keep him another year so he becomes homegrown at the club? Because I feel like, I can't remember the exact ruling, but I know of like Champions League squads or European squads, I feel like you get an extra place if you have like a home, like a home, a HGC, so homegrown club player rather than a HGN homegrown national player because I feel like because we he's coming I think he's going to start his third year with us now um, and I think the rule is if you do three years under 18 homegrown club but if we loan him out and then he comes back he'll obviously then be 18 and then we he wouldn't then qualify as homegrown club in the future um, I don't know how much that would affect us or not um, but I feel like he, I, he looks ready for championship for me personally it's just about picking the right right slot for him at this point which club do you think is most suitable? Um, did Derby get relegated? Yeah, yeah, they did. That's annoying. If they if they stayed up, I'd have said Derby hundred percent. Like I think Rooney, from from the little I watched of Derby, like they looked good when they got when they got going, and Rooney had no problem like trusting, um, trusting young players like every each and every time. Like Rooney was really good with that. Um, I would have to probably do a bit more research into where Divine would probably go. Just a, just a progressive team. A progressive team that needs a, com- a like a combative number eight that likes to go forward. Um, and and then we go from there. But he's proven he can play 3-4-3. Three, three. I think for England 19s, he was playing. He played a bit on the right, but he always comes over to the left and links up with... Um, what's the Aston Villa boy's name? Ch- Chiquese? Is that his name? Chiquema? Chiquema. Chiquema, yeah. Too crazy, the Villarreal, Donny. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Sorry, yeah. So um, I know he started on the right, but then for his goal, he drifted over to the left to link up with him, um, so he can play right wing and he can play right inside forward if you want to call it that. He can play ten, he can play eight, um, and yeah, the kid just kid just works hard and scores goals. So you know, I'm sure there'll be an article in the future about where about like prospective spots for him. So we'll just keep an eye on the boy. Yeah, for sure. For sure, and um, yeah, hopefully you can get that loan to the championship. I agree, he's ready. Um, I think Wigan are in the championship, so he could return to his old team maybe if they're not. Actually, I think they were a bit annoyed about how we how we bought him, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, looking at the table, it's saying that they're in the fixture list, so I'm I'm just going off that that we're going to win there. There's other good teams as well. Maybe even Middlesbrough because they got midfielders with good underlapping centre midfield runs under Chris Wilder. 
No, we'll see. Um, I think it's a kind of a good indictment on how we're developing players at the moment. I think we've um, we've not been given our flowers in that sense, and how we've been developing players, how good our academy's been over the last like kind of five, ten years. Um, we've had a fair amount of decent graduates, and we've developed some like fine players as well. Um, I see Harry Winks is just departing us, Champions League finalist. Fair enough, like not many other academies even bring that through. Um, still, as uh, a lot of Spurs fans might even begrudgingly admit, we're probably a bit jealous of Cobham Academy, not so much others, but me personally, I'm a bit jealous of them. And frankly, I think given the uh, given the area of North London, how popular um, how popular it is there for, for Spurs players to just be plucked from that area to come through. It could be quite easy for us to get to that level of Cobham just with a bit of time. Like, we've got some top players playing now. Oliver Skip's coming now to take the reins of Harry Winks. Marcus Edwards is playing at Sporting. You've got Ryan Fredericks, who's still at West Ham. Um, Andros Townsend still in the Premier League Harry Kane is doing alright and uh, Carl Walker-Peters who's um, getting his flowers now at Southampton but yeah we can um, see I mean how does that really compare against like other academies other than Cobham like amongst like the top six in the Premier League Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I mean, I think it does okay. Um, like, one thing I always try and, like, remind myself is that a lot of other teams, the Cobhams, the Hale End, um, Carrington, you know, these places, they do have a lot more money to pump into their systems. Um, they tend to also bring players from a very, very young age as well, and they maybe have a wider net in terms of players that they can bring. Whereas, like you said, a lot of these players are really from, you know, the areas in and amongst North London or even like Hertfordshire, um, Winks being from like Hemel, um, Tanganga's from around the corner, um, Skip's not, not far from us as well. So I just feel like whilst we don't have the money, I do also feel like maybe the facilities also helps uh, the types of coaches that we've had. Obviously, Ryan Mason's very important in the academy. Um, Chris Powell has always been very big, big for the academy at Spurs as well. Um, and the one thing about like academy football as well is that like Potts used to always say that like it's important that you kind of whilst you're taking on these players and you're teaching them and developing them, you need to also be able you need to be able to provide them with a means of knowing that there is some sort of path to first team football. You know, it's it's kind of rare these days that you get what we call wonder kids going into into first teams like like say a Phil Foden or a Sancho or a Saka per se, but sometimes you can go through different routes. You can go on loans, look at someone like Mason Mount or um, uh, what's that fella? Uh, Harry Wilson. He went on loan for, for years. Skip had a very successful loan um, at Norwich. So I, I almost feel that like 
especially the under 18, under 23, I, I wouldn't want to feel that there should be that much pressure on them to be playing first in football because I feel like they've still got time to develop. Like, you know, whilst I really like how the vine is developing, it kind of worries me that when I see Scarlett, because Scarlett clearly has the ability, but then he's not physically there yet. Like he's nowhere near being physically ready. And it's difficult because you want to throw him some minutes so that he can develop himself, but then you also want to protect him so he doesn't get overrun and it's, and it's not a useless experience. Someone like Niall John, who I went to watch last season for the under-23s, he was way and beyond all the other under-23 guys. And then he went on to loan to Charlton and didn't play a single minute. So I kind of just feel that we have to be careful with how we um, look after these lone guys. But I also believe that we're very we're very fortunate that we do have lots of good young players. Like um, we've had, like I was fortunate this season to be able to go to a fair few twenty three games, and there's lots of guys who could easily make the step up. Um, but obviously, given the opportunity, it's not always easy. Uh, football's a results business. Um, Yeah, I think yeah. I think um, a player like, for example, Jaffa Tanganga is someone I think that could be a Premier League player right now for us. I think um, I don't think he's just, he's not he's not set the world alight. He had a good start, but I think he still would make a very competent Premier League level right centre back um, in the long run. I think and. We have, over the years, I say it depends what you if you how you're sort of judging us. It, if you're judging us on successful players, or if you're judging us on making sales and profitability and producing Premier League level players, um, you know, it's how do you measure it, isn't it? Um, and I think we have over the years, you know, the past ten, fifteen years, we have produced a number of solid Premier League players. Um, we, we've got a list. I, I don't know who's got the list. Um, well, I don't have it on top of my head, but, you know, we've got a number of players that, you know, still active, um, still, you know, top 10, uh, I'd say, um, in in the league itself. But, so, yeah, if you're judging it based on that, then I'd say, yeah, we do have a, a, quite a decent academy. Um, but if it doesn't benefit Spurs on the pitch, then you can argue that, it's not really a matter, um, essentially. So it, it depends how you look at it. Um, if you're judging, you know, how you judge your academy, I'd say. It is about perspective. Yeah, it's um, where I say it's interesting how, obviously, we're trying to... Um, we are trying to kind of get to that level of maybe a Cobham. Um, we're trying to kick on, obviously. We've hired that uh, Simon Davis as like a... I can't remember what his job title is. I think, is, I think he's like academy methodologist, and then it's methodologist. Gritos. That's it. Methodologist, yeah, and then it's Greta Steinson that is now. I think he's head of. I think oh, so. He's got Steve Hitch's old job, but I feel like their remits are different. So I think he is basically like lower league UK recruitment. Like I think he's still called performance director or something, but he's more like. UK and lower league recruitment so Paratich can do his thing in in Europe. Yeah, it's um I guess like where Greta Steinson and Simon Davis could 
obviously help him where Greta Steinson's remit might be a little bit different. Is I guess he'd look to help Simon Davis in just helping, I guess, the first team and the the youth teams play in a very similar, if not pretty much the same way to get that continuity. So if they're to make that step up, they kind of play in more or less the same structure, which I guess a lot of um, the top teams have been good at recently, I guess. Uh, hopefully, um, hopefully that pays off. And uh, the list you were referring to, um, yeah, I think um, I home made a few. I home made a few good honourable mentions. Um, got yeah, a few. We had, we had a few. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interestingly enough, I didn't realise that we actually had Reese Oxford first. And then we released him at like 13 or 14. Then West Ham took him. I think he's in Germany now. Um, obviously, you've mentioned Carl Walker-Peters. Um, I think Dylan McCande, when he gets back from his injury, I think he could be he could be a special special player. Not sure. I'm not going to try and say he's going to end up being a top six winger, but he looked very he looked very good. And I'm disappointed we let him go. Um, but you know, everyone's got a different path. You never know. Uh, teacher's boy Cameron Carter Vickers. I mean, <laughs> if, if you however you want to spin it, he's an international. You know what I mean? True. Sting, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) There's a a reason why I call him Cameron Cancer Vickers because he, it's it's like we've just been, every loan has just been a round of chemo. Like, thank you, Celtic, honestly. Oh, yeah, I was thinking, no CV with a CV name. It kills me. He's just been lingering about. How many loans has he had? So he went on loan to Sheffield, Ipswich Town, Swansea City, Stoke City, Luton Town, Bournemouth, and Celtic. And now he's gone. Wow. (laughs) And by the sounds of it, it sounds like he's done well at pretty much all of the loans as well. He's done okay, yeah. Bless him. Apparently, he was was excellent this season for for Celtic. Fucking hell. I think most of the the loans were pretty bad, but I think Celtic, he... um, he, he excelled in and stepped it up. So, fair play, I guess. And then Stephen Corker, honourable mention. I mean, he he was he was a low at a time. I'd say he was all right at Swansea, wasn't he? He was at Swansea for a bit. Well, did he play Prem with QPR? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Him and uh, Anton Ferdinand. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was surprised when when he left us. I thought he'd stay on yeah, another season or two, but. Yeah, he did. I mean, he, he was he was okay. He went to Turkey for a bit. You know, got his got his piece. I think he's on loan at some next right now. He went to the Olympics. We we yeah, we have, he did, didn't he? Actually, yeah. Team GB. Yeah, we have we have an Olympian now. So actually, I th- I think he actually plays for another country now. Actually, Sierra Leone. That's it. Yes, Afcon. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Yes, plays for Sierra Leone. That is so mad. Uh, so man, and you know he counts as an academy product, but you know, rightfully tweeted by Kevin Yash the other day, we are absolving ourselves from anything to do with Mr. Jamie O'Hara. You know, God. thanks for the memories, but just you, please, you need to stop talking because you've embarrassed our academy graduates. Please stop. Low key, he had a decent left foot, you know. He did. He did. Like like Bentley had a, had a decent right foot, right? <laughs> <laughs> he did. They both did. That's you know. Reborn David Beckham, you know, fucking hell. 
Who and David Beckham was also a Tottenham schoolboy, but I, I'm sure United were just like, yeah, come true, man. But David Beckham was a Tottenham schoolboy as well. And yeah, Peter he's from yeah, Peter Crouch. There was he's from he's from around the corner in, in Walthamstow. So yeah, man, they they were about they were about hold tight, Tom Carroll as well, man. He's he was just around, he was just around, just championship player. I feel like Tom Tom Carroll was Harry Winks before Harry Winks was Harry Winks, but Tom Carroll <laughs> wasn't as good as Harry Winks. When he got that assist for Bale against West Ham, he uh, I think that's when he peaked. That's when he peaked. Yeah. Bless him. Absolute peak. Which assist was better, that or Vertonghen's to Sons uh, against Burnley? <laughs> <you know? laughs> Definitely Vertonghen's. Definitely Vertonghen's, man. But yeah, there we go. Um, hopefully we'll at least, uh, yeah, we can be competing soon. No reason why we can't. Um Funny enough, I'd actually forgotten to put Jamie O'Hara in my list. So, <laughs> giving him the, the we'll let that slide. We'll let it slide. Don't worry. <laughs> I have. I will throw Ben Ben Taleb for a period. You know, I have to give Tim Sherwood that one. Yeah, for a period. It's top. He was top. I'll give him that mm. one. I just want like, like you said, like you know, there, there is an element of jealousy to Cobham, and I feel like some people in the, in the in the chat think I'm a Cobham FC fan, but. You know, that's by the by, that's by the by. Um, but yeah, I just want the academy to get to a point where, you know, the we'll be at a certain level and we can still rely on, you know, certain products to, you know, potentially be the fifth sub or like they could fill in the occasional game against, you know, when Norwich inevitably come back to the Prem. Because um, I think like our, like our academy training at this joint called Bulls Cross. And it would be nice to say we've got some Bulls Cross boys in there, but it's not at a level where we can use that name just yet. Like we can't, we can't, you know, Carrington, they can just say it. Halen, they can just say it. Colman, they can just say it. We can't quite say balls cross just yet, but soon come, man, soon come. There was, there was something Jose said last, midway through last season about how, I think he was asked a question on, you know, how do you feel about our youth products and whatnot? And he particularly mentioned the class of 04, basically the, the people born in that year. Um, so under 16s and below. Mm. So he's, According to him, there's a threshold. Anyone old, you know, above that isn't quite at the level, um, mm. or yeah, quite at the. They won't hit the trajectory we'd like them to. So, if he's seeing that as well, then clearly something must have changed in between, you know, at a particular period of time, um, mm. b- before and after those players started being bedded into the academy. So, I don't know what it is, but hopefully, you know, obviously that will take a number of years to actually see the fruits of that labour. Um, mm. So we have to, we, ta- we just have to wait and see. Yeah, this is what I mean. We've also got a few young talents, like Dane Scarlett in particular, looks like a heavy talent, which is why, obviously, when we go into the transfer market, we're, we are looking to sign a forward. I just hope it's not, say, a young forward to kind of block the pathway of Dane Scarlett or maybe even Troy. Parrot, who's who's actually been doing well on these loads recently, can potentially kind of be a slow burner like like Kane was. I don't think he'll get quite to Kane's level, but definitely a useful squad player, maybe, maybe. But I guess that takes us, um, I guess, somewhat excitingly into the transfer market. So it's been a bit quiet in terms of incomings recently, but the rumor mill's been strong. Um, we look like we might actually sign like a proper Brazilian. Like, not some of the Brazilians we've already got, but, like, proper, proper Brazilians. Like, apparently, uh, we're not seriously in for Jesus. 
other fans are trying to twist it, saying he rejected us. But um, I don't think anyone else really believes that. And um, looks like we're hot on either Rafinha or Richarlison. I guess um, there's only one answer, uh, isn't it? Like, who would you prefer? Uh, like, I'd, it's a funny one, really, because I think initially I was against Richarlison. Mm-hmm. But I feel like... Actually, no, no, no. No, no, no. Like When I was thinking about it, I was like, this is a player who could play a number of different roles, but actually, I would rather have someone who was a specialist and good in one role. And if that was going to be my reasoning... It would every single time. It would have to be Rafinha. Every single time, it have to be Rafinha. I've seen more positive games where this guy has influenced the game with a goal or an assist or just general play than I have in the however many seasons I've watched Richarlison. So I feel like whilst the money is going to be high because that's that's a valuable asset to Leeds, that's a no-brainer. I think we should be going all out to try and sign Rafinha uh, personally. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think that there are benefits to Richarlison. I, I like his shithousery. He was always a whiner. He does this, he does that. But he never downs tools. Like, he doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's something I can I can never I can never put against Richarlison. I feel like Conte would love working with someone like him. Um, there are benefits to him. I know people have said he can obviously cover down the middle as well if Kane needed a rest, but I feel like if we were to sign Richarlison, it puts even more impetus on needing to sign a creative mid. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like if 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 for some reason we didn't sign, you know, a creative mid or like a ten or someone who can play behind the strikers, then I'd be like, okay, we have to go get Rafinha then, because Rafinha is naturally the more creative of the two. Like, yes, we can't play Rafinha, Kulusevski, Kane, and Son all at the same time, but I know that at least if Rafinha is playing there's not going to be any creativity creativity lost, should we say. Whereas if Kane has a rest and Richarlison goes in, where's the creativity going to come from apart from Kulusevski? Do you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, that that wouldn't really work for me um, if we were to sign Richarlison. But yeah, as long as it's... Re- if it was Richarlison, it has to be Richarlison and another, and, and another um, creative player like Rafinha. I, w- I saw some clips of him playing on the left today. Thank you, Arsenal fans, for for reposting that one. Hopefully, it bites you in the ass. Um, he's not really a a one v one take man on on the outside and whip it. He prefers to like actually play. It's from what I could see anyway. He prefers to like whip it like a bit deeper, like come at, like start like hit the crossroom a bit deeper. Um, play. It's almost like he's playing to cut in on his right foot, but he's still playing it with his left. Do you know what I'm saying? Not like outside of the foot room, charisma things. But he's still trying to still trying to keep on the inside of his foot. So, yeah, I'd still rather Rafinha. But get me, get me, get me an Ericsson or a Madison if you're giving me Richarlison as well. Yeah, I think from it's night and day in terms of the individuals itself, um, in terms of ability and whatnot. You know, he is a he is a Mares regen almost. You can say like he he's just absolutely you know this general quality, the excitement factor. The fact that you can also, you know, obviously it's going to be difficult, you know, rotating. Conte will have good headaches, headaches that we'd want um, uh, as fans. But honestly, if you're paying the same amount for either one, I think it's an absolute no-brainer because Everton are actually, they, you know, they are taking a piss with their asking price, to be honest, for Richarlison. Yeah, it's equally as 
I guess even higher for a fee for for Rafinha, who it looks he's been heavily rumored to be waiting for Barcelona, who would have to find some kind of funding from like Klarna or something like that, PayPal, <laughs> PayPal monthly installments. <laughs> Bro, I, I, yeah, that's it. I, I I don't know where they're gonna find the money to do him, Lewandowski, and Bernardo Silva. It's just then. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> um, I think obviously out of the North London clubs, he's been rumored to prefer Champions League football. So I guess that puts us in the driving seat. And um, I was just thinking on that point as well, where if we sign Richarlison, we'd need a creative player. But if we sign Rafinha, we'd need a striker. So I was just thinking, uh, what would be easier to attain a quality, I guess, creator or a good <clears throat> rotational striker? And I'd, learn, I'd side the latter, even though I've kind of warmed to the idea of Richarlison a bit. I still feel like Rafinha is going to give us something more, which which we need. Um, especially in a creative sense, someone who can play both flanks, potentially someone that can just keep Lucas Moura either on the left or out the team because I think he's all but useless on that right-hand side. I think Rafinha can just come in and just make that position his own in rotation with uh, in rotation with Deke. Um So that would be my preferred option, even though the fee is something like 60, 65 million, I think. We, we haven't spent any of this kind of cash injection money per se yet. So I think we'd be pretty safe in that. Um, but I just wouldn't be too sure as to kind of what rotational striker I think we'd sign. I need to uh, do some research on this Lucas Paqueta guy. Like I've I've had a look at the FB ref and I know it's not everything. Um, you know, he, I think his progressive pass was a bit lower than like Ericsson, for example, but I did take into account he receives the ball a lot later than Ericsson, a lot, quite a lot. So I think when he plays for Brazil, I've got a lot of the time he's actually played up front. Like he can play up front, he could play 10, he could play eight. Um, so yeah, I think I want to do a bit more Poqueta research this week and see what's popping. And then it's like, you know, if we, if the rumors are true about Arsenal dropping what, I think 50 mil plus 10 million add ons for. Rafinha as a bid it's like if if we're going to try and match that and this whole pardon me this whole um you know looking for 10 targets and you know eventually bidding for the right ones or whatever is true if we can put 65 on Rafinha do we put do we put 60 on Madison if possible do you know what I'm saying like I'd rather have saved the 60 for Bastoni personally and then got and tried to get Ericsson on a free um but obviously if it's, it's up to Ericsson where he wants to go um but yeah, it's just definitely something to think about. For sure. Um, like, I, I think we could do both. I well, think Maddis, we could end Maddis up doing both in terms of getting the expensive, uh, expensive centre-back and the expensive kind of forward-minded player, whether that be uh, a creator or a forward. I think we'd be more likely to pay like a kind of bigger fee for maybe a striker, like say if Lataro became available and... I'm not going to mention the Portuguese Donny from <clears throat> Atletico Madrid because that is a pipe dream and a half. Um, <laughs> but there's that. There's always that little twinkle in in Levy's eye. That I think if that was even remotely doable, then they would probably do it. I think Ossie Men's been um, a player of interest 
but in the past, before he went to Napoli, he'd obviously have to command the big fee. Also fits the profile. It's, it's the weird one. Uh, I've got a feeling it would just come out of nowhere. I also don't want to say his name because Tottenham fans keep getting tripped. But there is a certain guy that's Argentinian, left-footed, and isn't Lionel Messi. Apparently, this interdeal is looking very difficult. And I think, like, Sevilla or something are in for him, but they only want to pay him, like, well, I say only. They're gonna. They want to pay him like three, three million euros for the year or, or something like that. I'm not. I'm not too sure on the, on the specifics. But I can. I. I don't know if I want Dybala or not personally. But probably for more tactical reasons. But at the same time, if Conte wants Dybala, then you know what I'm saying. Fair enough. Mm. There is. There is a sticky one. I think Dybala's quality. It's hard to question. I think he would fit Conte's structure quite well, but his injury record over the last three years is looking quite sticky. I think he averages like missing something like 50 days a season. Um, and his wages, I was looking at this when I was debating another player from Juventus earlier with a Chelsea fan as to why he would join Chelsea. And I was looking at Dabala's wages. He's on 250,000 euros a week. So to come in to Spurs, he'd obviously be on something similar, if not more. I don't know. Um, I, I would probably personally still do it because he may not even like be necessarily first team. But at the same time, I don't know if he'll be willing to be a rotational option at Spurs. And considering I think Kulisevsky didn't get as much game time as he would have liked at Juventus because of Dybala as well, it, it's a bit of um, it's a bit of a tricky dynamic in that sense. And um, welcome Gogeta to the stream. Uh, to the stream. Wow, um, it is humid in here. Rafinha Richarlison. Uh, we just covered that. We most of us picked Rafinha. Um, I think purely just because he's generally a better player. And um, yeah, that sums up for I guess most of our transfer business. I think this. Ed Spence, um, by the time of um, this audio, <laughs> Gadget just says Rafinha is the correct answer. Uh, yeah, the Ed Spence looks like we're gonna have a bid for him soon, but it's obviously rumored that um, Levy has taken personal control of that deal, which was met by literally the exact same reaction from all Spurs fans as to why as to that being the reason why it hasn't happened yet. But, yeah, it, it looks like a formality, surely. Yeah, so that's... Yeah. Oh, no, go on, Sting. No, 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 I'm just saying, yeah, I agree. Just get it done, get it done soon. Um, and I think you can afford... I think Levy's involvement is probably... He's probably thinking, you know, champ, yeah, championship club, you can obviously have a little... There's a little bit of wiggle room there, um, whereas yeah, Paratici will probably all the big signings, all the the more expensive uh, players that Conte demands. I think, and I think one another thing we probably just to mention is there, there have been a, quite a few deals now under Paratici that have sort of gone under the radar and bang, we're in for him, we're we're going to get him like a few days later. And I think Kudusevsky was Kudusevsky and Bentancur happened. I think quite quickly. I don't think we're really? in for him for a while. Um, and Basuma, even though 
it was just rumours. It wasn't anything sort of concrete. It just suddenly happened, um, I'd say, from my perspective, at least. I don't know if, uh, how much reading everyone else has done up on it, but that happened quite swiftly as well. So hopefully there's someone under the radar or semi under the radar, you know, that, you know, we're looking at. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And um, to conclude, I guess, some of our transfer business, Gajita makes another good point. Um, saying the lack of centre-back news is worrying. Would you guys agree or am I thinking it too much? I think I understand why Gajita, one underscore, is worried because I think we're in this weird place where, you know, it's not even July and our club has been serious. Do you know what I mean? This this is this is unheard of at Tottenham. So we, we just don't know how to feel. Do you know what I mean? Um I think I'm not worried. I'm obviously disappointed by Stoney's agent has made it clear like you know, kid doesn't want to bounce, which is fair. But I think, you know, I, I don't I don't really read too much into the whole our parity she gets like ten um people, ten people lined up, ten targets lined up because I think that's quite I think that's I personally think that's fairly commonplace around um, the league not every single director of football recruitment team does it but just even and I, I get maybe it's a bit maybe a bit more commonplace down down lower in the leagues but I remember when I was um, an intern at Wickham Wanderers I was in Gareth Ainsworth's office and he literally had like a board obviously you know it's the facilities were very different but he had a board of like eight players per position like even goalkeepers there was like this 18-year-old goalkeeper in, in the Chelsea Academy that he wanted to get in for a trial and stuff. But that was like his sixth option and and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? So, I don't know. I feel like that kind of information was maybe dropped to like get us on the right side of Paratici. I don't know if I'm being a bit harsh, um, but that's, that's just me personally. Because, you know, I think someone asked a question the other day, has he beat the, the Fraudatici allegations yet? And it's like, listen... Let's not forget this guy tried to hire Gennaro Ivan Gattuso in our face. Like, and the only reason he didn't is because the fans were like, fuck that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we can't forget that. I feel like maybe he, I feel like he's definitely learned since. And say Conte left and we didn't have a problem with Gattuso, he wouldn't try it. Do you know what I'm saying? I think he's learned enough. But um, I'm not overly worried about the centre back stuff. I don't think we'll get Vardiol. I think he's too expensive. He's, he's got like four years left on his contract or something, or three years. He'll be too expensive. I hope Pau Torres goes to United because um, I do think him and Maguire at centre-back would be hilarious. Like, no, Pau Torres isn't a bad defender. I just think it would be so funny watching both of them get bullied um, or, like, Maguire trying to palm off a responsibility to him. Um, and Deke, I need to have more of a look at. Um, he looks very sturdy defender. He's a good carrier of the ball. I'm not sure what his passing between the lines is like. Um, and then, you know, with Bremer, I'd personally, pref I'd prefer Bremer in the centre, but is his passing range as good as Eric Dyer's? I don't think so. So that's that one. But yeah, I'm, I'm not overly worried about the left centre-back. I read that Conte wants everybody in before pre-season. I think if we were to get another four players, I feel like at least three of them would be in for pre-season. Yeah, it could end up like I'm... it. Centre back is a position that I'm personally willing to be a bit patient for because I don't think it's realistic for us to make or have all of our transfer business done by this preseason trip to to Korea anyway. But given um, 
given stronger rumours, I guess you could say, obviously, the most likely replacements for Bastoni would be either Paul Torres or Indica. Um, We've got that Ukrainian kid on our radar as well, remember? Yeah. Um, see, he'd be looking to maybe be signed as maybe a young prospect, but you wouldn't be surprised if uh, Ilya Zabani, the player who... Um, mission i guess would come in and just essentially make an impact like he could play in the back three one cup game really impressing and just go on the run of games from there um i haven't heard anything about that one but yeah there was someone from kiev that's saying you know it's all just rumors at the moment we don't even know what's going on but yeah i think ali god was saying something like yeah we're definitely looking to to bring him in but we're just looking for some clarity on what's happening with ukrainian football at the moment um <laughs> yeah, good you. And that's saying being patient with my beloved Spurs is a dangerous game. Uh, yeah, I, I hear mean, that. I hear that. <laughs> I think I'll, have, like, I'll maybe just have a bit more patience than most, to be fair. Um, yeah, I think um, Pal Torres being suspect defensively, um, as I've said before, I don't think the Euros was the best representation of him. Um, I think he can be a bit timid. Um, but I think one that's something he's improved on over the last season. He held his own against Liverpool and Bayern. Um, and I guess some of those deficiencies defensively could be kind of helped by playing in a three at the back. So three at the back tax could help. And obviously he's... Yeah, Emery tax. Yeah, exactly. His passing could be good. His passing range, in fact, could be a good help for our automations, obviously, especially when releasing wingbacks. His infield passing is very good as well. He's a decent ball carrier, um, whereas Evan and Dick is not as expansive passing range-wise, but he's someone who I'd see as like a direct upgrade on Ben Davis because they're very much the same from what I've seen of Indica, which is quite little, to be fair. But his underlapping runs really really good um i'd say yeah his infield passing is good his one for e1 defending looks to be very good obviously left footed which is a preference um not essential in my opinion but someone um who is very comfortable on his left foot and for me when he's carrying the ball into the opposition half when he's generally like making a run off the ball, he's just a lot more measured and composed than Ben Davis is. Like I always feel like Ben Davis is on the edge of kind of just like trying to keep it from going a hundred miles an hour. He's got this weird trait, Davis, that he'll play a one-two, but he'll fizz it into the person he's passing to, and then run directly at the person he's passed to instead of maybe most of the time just attacking space in behind, which he does do at times as well, but. That's a trait which is just never made sense to me, ever. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we recruit either of those two. But I'm willing to be patient to see if there's any more clarity on this Bastoni deal because this this um, screenier to PSG one's taken suspiciously long. Um, and Gojo is saying the signing of this Ukrainian defender smells of a one-fourth signing. Yeah, maybe we can learn from that one fourth signing as well because he'd he'd probably get into this team right now. Perhaps even on the left. Um we certainly should have got a bigger fee for him. So yeah, we'll see what happens there. 
Um, but yeah, yeah I don't know who did you guys have a preference for if it was Paul Torres or Ndika? Of the two, I'm taking of the little I've seen. I've seen I've seen a lot more Paul Torres than Ndika. Of the little I've seen, I'm taking Ndika only because I can I feel like he'd be a lot less likely to be bullied. And he's not a bad crosser of the ball, actually. He's not a bad crosser of the ball from the little I've seen. I'm taking Ndika. I, I just worry Paul Torres would get the the you know, you just get like I think Sam like Sam Maxwell would have anyone up. But I feel like Sam Maxwell wouldn't need to do the FIFA Street stuff to get past him. He he just give him a good barge and he's done. Mm. Yeah. I, I haven't I haven't seen Ndika, so I can't comment on that, but I've seen enough of Paul Torres to say, nah, not him. <laughs> Don't get this man anywhere near my club. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was honestly, Hanlhart, I was saying in um, a space yesterday that Evan and Dicker would be my slight preference, but it's a good thing with both of those players, in my opinion, that it's a good cherry on top thing that both of them have very good European pedigree now. So, like, both like very successful in, in the Europa League, at least. Um, which Conte needs. Like, if there's been any kind of shortcomings in his career, it's been in Europe, um, where we've already got players that have been in the Champions League final, still in the squad, and then signing players who have obviously been successful in the Europa League can only add to that. So, yeah, either of those would be an, an improvement um, for me. So, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. It feels like... Paratici's kind of got this like backup plan to just give the Celso to Villarreal and then get Pal Torres on like a cheaper on a cheaper option. But uh yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll see. Um I'm trying to think if there's any other uh, transfer news. Um it's just been announced, I guess, that Ericsson it doesn't look likely to happen. Um good. That might not be for footballing reasons, to be fair. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, hopefully, he just doesn't go to United. <laughs> just stay at Brentford, as I say. Yeah, there are there are talks about him potentially even yeah just staying um, as well. So, hopefully, that's the case. Cause I think you know, I don't want too much being demanded of him physically. Anyway, yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, uh, we've had tops come up before, and he's let's see, a registered qualified cardiologist, and he was saying, um, you know, it's a bit of a miracle that um, Ericsson is still playing. A shout out to him; he's uh, he's on call and he's had to leave the the podcast this evening um, for for work. And yeah, it's it's a weird one. But you've got Conte whose extracurricular conditioning is probably up there with the most intense in in perhaps even world football, then, yeah, it could be understandable why we may not be taking that risk or he might not decide to take that risk with us. Um, well, yeah, it'll be an interesting couple of weeks for sure. I'll see Greta Steinson um, starting his job as priority number two by, I think it's the 1st of July. Um, so I'd expect there to be a, quite a lot of news between then and when we head to our preseason tour of Korea. But until then, um, it's been New Spurs order. 
Thank you, Sting. Thank you, Match and Man, for, for joining me this evening to chop it up. Um, see, the audio comes out every Saturday. Catch us on the Twitter, where we're looking to be a bit more active on Instagram as well, at New Spares Order. Um, still trying to stay active during this kind of summer period where there is no games. But see, with Tottenham, there's always something to talk about. But yeah. Um, I guess watch the next stream. What's up? No, just saying uh, more spaces, hopefully, as well from us. Yeah, you know, you know, we'll see, we'll see. It's soon come. (laughs) Uh, We've got, yeah, a few more things planned over the next few weeks. So you just have to stay tuned to find out what those are. Um, I guess shout out to Kojita as well for being ever present in the stream, like like, uh, most weeks. And uh, until. Next time when we stream and record, have a good one. Peace. On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London. That is absolutely incredible on debut. Oh, yay! Podcast Network.